Is it possible to create a monster from nothing? Can one just manifest evil into being? The New Age world loves to talk about manifesting your desires so that you can be in love and have money and enjoy good health. Might one be able to do the opposite? That's what we're here to discuss in today's bonus episode, the idea of tulpas. Welcome, welcome, welcome into Killing, Missing, Hidden. Well, we're actually KMH Plus. Uh, the premium paranormal portion of the podcast about bad things. I'm your host, old buddy Brad. After spending a spell as a criminal defense trial attorney, I'm now just a government drone who spends his free time making this little podcast show. Since this is part of our KMH Plus collection, we are doing some weird things in this episode, specifically talking about tulpas. Never heard of them? Cool. You get to learn something new. But before we begin, thanks as always for being such wonderful fans. You guys and dolls really fuel the fire to this engine. The idea that folks are willing to pay for some of our content is kind of mind-blowing. Even if we are just a modest little indie podcast, you make us feel like a big deal. So thank you, and enjoy today's offering. So who's heard of a tulpa before? It's a term that kind of derives from mysticism, theosophy, and the world of the paranormal. Theosophy is... A religion, for back of a be- lack of a better term, established in the late 19th century in the United States by Helena Balvatsky, a Russian mystic. I would interpret it more as a smoothie of the new religious movement and a bunch of occult beliefs. And the new religious movement is an idea that could be described as like spirituality that generally focuses on the individual. But, you know, it's such a nebulous term, it's kind of hard to give it a good definition. Theosophy also pulls a lot from ancient religions that exist in the Tibetan faith, though the followers don't consider theosophy a religion. So the idea of a tulpa, when you dig in and and mine around a little bit, comes from where these three ideas or philosophies or whatever you want to call them intersect. It tends to get mixed in with Buddhism, as that faith has a similar idea involving what I understand to be kind of a dimension of ceaseless manifestations. So manifestation is a common thread between the two, as you're about to see. But I don't know that it's fair to say that the idea of a tulpa comes from Buddhist teachings. But, you know, there's someone out there with a whole lot more knowledge about faith in these subjects that can correct me, and I would love to be corrected. You know, I I like to learn. Okay, okay, okay. On to the good stuff. So a tulpa is like an imaginary friend that comes to life and then turns out not to be a friend. It's universally considered to be a creation of evil that literally comes from a person's mind and thoughts. 
even though you're the one that gives birth to it, it will develop its own personality, wants, needs, and desires. Because it is a creature of thought, it's believed it needs thoughts to live. Regular And regular thoughts won't do. That's why we don't see zombies on every corner or Slimer from the Ghostbusters raiding our fridge. I would say a lot of mental energy is spent on the ideas from fiction. But, you know, we don't really expect to wake up in the world of The Walking Dead. That's not, not something we believe to happen. And that's what a tulpa needs. It needs belief to live. It's also referred to as a thought form, which apparently I learned is actually like a class of beings, though that whole thing is beyond the scope of this episode. So the first popularized report of the creation of a tulpa comes from Alexandria David Neal in her 1932 book, Magic and Mystery in Tibet. Now, she claims in this book that while she was traveling through Tibet, she intentionally brought to life a tulpa in the form of a jolly, short, fat monk. And this wasn't something that, you know, only she could see. Her friends that were on this expedition with her reported seeing this monk as well. Now, despite her best efforts to create a little buddy to hang out with, the tulpa developed a will of its own once others began to acknowledge it, and it became malviolent. Though light on the details, David Neal claims it took much more energy to destroy her monk than it did to create it. Or at least that's, that's what the summary of the book states. The thing's like 400 pages, and I have kids, so it would only take me about 11 years to read it. My kids... Should be on their own by then, I think. I hope. But her book sounds like it was the inspiration for the world of Doctor Strange that he gets trained in by the Ancient One and the Marvel movies. Stealing from the website Mysterious Universe, the idea behind the creation of a Tulpa is simple. Let's say you're a weirdo and you want to create a monster. Because, you know, life is unfair or whatever. Or, you know, you're bored. So every night you go to his bed and you spend some time meditating on the monster of your choice. We're going to pick a monster that everybody should be familiar with for the purpose of this illustration. So we're going to go with Grover from Sesame Street, the blue one. So you sit there and believe Grover into existence to the same certainty that you know the sun will rise tomorrow. And you spend weeks on this endeavor. Every night you go to bed and you're like, tomorrow I'm meeting Grover. No doubt in my mind, sun's going to come up, I'm going to go to school or work, and there's going to be Grover. Then one day you're, you know, going into the grocery store or walking out of an elevator, and you see something blue out of the corner of your eye. Soon you start seeing reports on social media of a certain blue Muppet being seen around town. Most think it's a joke. They get a laugh out of it. But some believe they have seen it or otherwise decide they, they want the story to be true. Then pictures begin to surface. And it becomes like this flash urban legend for your community. High school kids start daring each other to go to dark places where Grover is said to haunt. 
And before much longer, your little community adopts the Grover sightings as, you know, a bit of a mascot, maybe kind of a tourist trap. But in the background, all of a sudden there's weird reports of stalkings, attacks, even killings, all attributed to Grover, the little blue monster. So that's what it takes. It takes you putting the energy forth to create the creature and then others seeing it, acknowledging it, and believing its existence. The more people that believe in it, the stronger it can grow. And it needs a lot of thought and emotional energy for that to happen. Well, what's the best way to get instant emotional energy from a human being? Probably fear. So it's theorized that's why tulpas turn kind of evil and violent is they learn quickly that they can get a lot of energy from humans by causing fear. You know, there's not really a way to totally enchant an audience quickly. And that's why they often appear as scary monster creature things to us. So to continue their survival and growth, they have to be constantly seen or thought of. And they love social media because of that. So if this entity can get on YouTube, it will have a permanent place to be discovered, studied, and feared. And it seems like there's no geographical limitation when it comes to this. You know, if a tulpa is created, say, in the Philippines and this video goes vi a video of it goes viral and it's seen by watchers in the Americas, that's good enough for the tulpa. It can keep feeding off of that energy from half world away. Should they ever be forgotten, though, they crumble into absolute nothingness okay so that's the basic philosophy between behind um how you would create one if you wanted to but the better question is who on earth would want to do this well we're going to talk about a dude that did his name is richard freeman he was a little, a little bit of inconsistent information, but he was the head zookeeper or a zookeeper at England's Twycross Zoo and had a very deep interest in a variety of atypical interests, such as cryptozoology and Lovecraftian mythos. Sounds a lot like me. I'm getting worried. He was also particularly interested in the writings of Clark Ashton Smith, a writer who published in the 1930s and who had a style similar to Lovecraft. Richard particularly enjoyed the novel The Seven Geeses, a story which involves a horrific spider deity by the name of Atlatch Nacha. Yeah, so not me because I hate spiders. Apparently, this was a creature straight from my nightmares, as it was much, much larger than a man. It was built like a spider, though it had hair all over it, and the face of it was that of a very hairy man. It also managed to coexist in two worlds, our world and the dream world, meaning this horrible horrible thing could enter into and feed on your dreams. 
So Big Richard here decides that he's going to create a tulpa and he's going to go big and go huge and go straight to Atlatch Nacha for his target. Yes, he picked the most horrible thing imaginable and went about bringing it to life. And he went after this goal really hard. Like, apparently Richard does not half-ass things. He created this giant altar in his basement to this fictional spider demon. He also got a group of worshippers together who would come over to his place like a poker night, except instead of playing cards, they would worship and like actively meditate to try to bring this thing to life. And the group spent weeks doing this as often as they could. You know, I mean, it wasn't like they'd just show up every Friday night. It was, if half the group was free on Monday, then half the group would show up and do it. If only two guys were free on Tuesday, then those two guys, I mean, it was just a constant thing. Richard, of course, was doing the most work since it was in his house and he had the easiest access to the altar. After just over a month, Richard went downstairs to his basement to continue his worship when he was absolutely taken with the deepest fear he's ever known. In the shadows, he could see motion. He quickly realized that the motion was awfully similar to that of how a spider moves. A giant freaking spider. Though he found himself paralyzed for what no doubt felt like an eternity, he managed to break the spell and slowly back out of the basement, closing the door, and locking it. If it were me, it would also be bricked up, and I would park an 18-wheeler against the door. Richard kind of freaked out and went to his friends' houses and convened his little cult of worshippers. He explained the situation in a panic, and they came to a conclusion that, hey, it's neat, our efforts are working, but you know what? We don't really want this thing in the world. So they decided they had to destroy it somehow. Richard went back on his own, and he's a braver man than me, went down into his basement and pulled the altar out of his basement, took it outside, and destroyed the thing. The group you know, you know, decided unanimously that they were going to stop thinking about this creature. They believed that Atlachnacha was becoming a reality, but the summoning process was not yet complete, so they still had a chance. And fortunately, they believed that they succeeded in reversing the process. But it took about twice as long to make it disappear. And Richard stayed far, 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 far away from his basement, even after destroying the altar and even after being sure that his horrific spider demon was gone. All right, I've got a bit more famous example of this. Do we all know who Alan Moore is? He's the super famous comic book writer, the brains behind Watchmen and V for Vendetta. He also did a bunch of great Batman and Daredevil stories. Well, he claims to be a chaos magic practitioner. And he's all around an eccentric dude who's kind of fascinating and is own way. Anyway, 
He claims to have created a tulpa of John Constantine, a comic book character he created who got his own movie back in 2005. Legend had it, has it that he was eating lunch at a cafe in London when his creation, John Constantine, walked right by him. He only saw it one time, likely because of the lack of belief in the reality of this character as a real person outside of Alan's mind. Some believe it was Alan alone who created this tulpa because when he worked on something, he would just dump tremendous amounts of energy into his works. And that's why he's so beloved because, you know, this wasn't, Creating something was not a nine-to-five job to him. It was an obsession. And so by working so hard on Constantine, it's possible he managed to manifest him into the world, even if for but a brief moment. So those are two stories there, all right? And if you're anything like me, I know what you're saying. Yeah, that's cool and all, but these are all like second- or third-hand accounts of Tulpas being real. Where's the YouTube video of the spider monster? Or who took a selfie with John Constantine, you know? Okay, well, there's not. There's not. But arguably, we do have a tulpa in the world right now that people are familiar with and some people think really exists. They swear it's real. Can you guess what it is? I'll give you a moment to think. You know it. You've heard of it. Movies have been made about it. Video games have been made about it. It's good old Slender Man. Now, I'm not going to go through the whole history of Slender Man, but he is an admitted internet creation. He was part, he was submitted as part of a 2009 contest on the Something Awful forums, I believe. If you don't know who Slender Man is, I don't really know why you're still listening to this episode. Um, but this clearly universally acknowledged fictional character is responsible for at least one crime, the 2014 Slenderman stabbing. This is where two 12-year-old girls tried to kill a classmate by stabbing her almost two dozen times after luring her in the woods in an effort to gain Slenderman's favor. Both girls were found not guilty by reason of mental disease or defect, in part because they both truly believed Slender Man existed, and this was the only way they could make him happy so he wouldn't take them away. Now, since then, if you want to go on a deep dive, you can find on YouTube and other social media things like that, pictures and videos of what is alleged to be slender man in the real world of course lots of these raise questions whether or not they're just cgi or some other clever video editing but you can go on there you can make your own decisions but you can see it's very popular and so it raises the question of is slender man a tulpa has it gained enough energy to be considered a tulpa in our world. I want to close this episode by going to the next natural step in this conversation. 
the Bible. Just bear with me because I have a thought. Even if you aren't Christian or religious, you at least have a very vague idea of some of the teachings of the Bible. They're just ingrained in Western society. And as you know, faith is a big concept in Christianity. And the term faith is actually defined in the Bible. So faith isn't a hope or belief in a conclusion. As it's defined in Hebrews 11.1, 1, and I'm paraphrasing here, faith is the assured expectation that whatever is desired will come to pass. Assured expectation. No doubts. And whenever Jesus is talking about faith, he mentions that if we have faith just the size of a mustard seed, you know, itty-bitty thing, we humans can perform miracles, move mountains, walk on water, things like that. What I've always found interesting is that when he talks about faith, he's not qualifying it in any way. He's not saying if you have faith in God. Just if you have faith, nothing is possible to you. Again, this comes from the Bible. Though in fairness, there's a bit more to it. It goes much deeper, and some of y'all are arguing with me about how I'm defining it. But for the moment, let's accept what I'm saying is true, just for the purpose of this conversation, okay? Is what Richard Freeman was doing and summoning that spider nightmare not an exercise of faith? Didn't Alexandria David Neal create her Santa Claus monk culpa in an exercise of faith? Was Slender Man's existence for those two unwell girls an exercise in faith? They all had, apparently, an assured expectation these creatures were real. And if we believe this, then we want to take it to another step. And again, please understand this is more of a mental exercise than me giving my opinions on anything. But the next step is, well, does that mean our gods are tulpas? I mean, we have massive amounts of humanity who put faith into God and Jesus, Muhammad, Buddha, Whoever, each and every day, is religion just a creation of our minds? Now, of course, since most religions at their core teach love and peace, this would be consistent with tulpas, who again, universally, are considered to become malviolent. So that wild idea probably doesn't work unless you want to argue that the tulpa just needs emotional energy, and worship will work just as well as fear. Again, just an idea, just a, a thought experiment for y'all. Um, I don't want to go further down that path because y'all are probably already thinking that I'm crazy for even having gotten this far. But, you know, I can see where somebody can string an argument together down that path. So, there you have it, a short case study in the world of tulpas. So this is, you know, a warning. Make sure you hold on to your intentions. Don't end up creating a giant Stay puff Marshmallow Man like Ray did in Ghostbusters. Are we opening and closing with the Ghostbusters reference? That's, that's pretty awesome. Uh, you know, as I've said before, the worst monsters to fear 
you know, aren't Bigfoot or aliens. It's it's other humans. But does this kind of support that idea? I I think so. I mean, if you buy into these Tulpa stories, this is kind of a terrifying concept. So even if you try to create one for good, pretty good chance it'll still go bad on you as it needs energy. And it's a whole lot easier to get fear than love from humans. Uh, as proof, I would point to basically any successful political campaign, right? Run on fear, not, not why you're qualified. Well, end the story here, and I hope you found it to be entertaining. There's a lot more on this topic if you want to dig into it. Um, if you do happen to create a tulpa of your own, please have it subscribe to our podcast. You know, we, we need all the support we can get. Um, you know, I, I guess in that way, we're kind of a tulpa too. If y'all didn't believe in us, we wouldn't be here. Wow. This is getting really deep. Okay. Um, I guess we got to start a fear campaign then. You know, I kind of was hoping to be lazy this spring, but. Work never ceases. Sigh for me. As always, thank you so very much for supporting our show. We we really do appreciate it, and we really do love you guys. You know, our goal is to try to do two of these bonus episodes per month. So far, we've been on target for two whole months, which is amazing in my world. Don't hold us to that, though, because life manages to find a way to screw you over, right? Uh, if you have an idea for an episode, let me know. If you ever want to maybe co-host an episode, give me a shout. Just, you know, happy to do it. I think it'd be fun to do it with the listener sometime. Know going into it that you're going to have to pull your own weight. You're going to come up with the topic. You're going to put in some of the research. But it'd be fun. So anyway, y'all have a snazzy week, and I will catch you on the flip side. Right out. You survived another episode of Killing Missing Hidden, the podcast about bad things. Join us next time for another true and thrilling story.